Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Secret Resume podcast, hosted by me, Melody Moore. In this podcast, we explore the people, places, and experiences that have shaped my guests, those which have influenced who they are as people and where they are in their work life today. You can listen in as we have a rich exploration of often unexamined and undiscussed but very important aspects of their lives, or as I like to call it, their secret resume. My guest today is Ellie Yell. Ellie is a certified coach, consultant, advisor, and an occupational psychologist by background. She specialises in supporting youth, apprenticeship, and edtech organisations, and helping founders and leaders at all stages, whether that's supporting them in developing a new business or helping more established organisations to become even more effective. Ellie built her own education and recruitment tech business in the youth market and worked as a vice president at a global apprenticeship provider. She also spent many years consulting to global organisations, working with leaders on issues ranging from job and organisation design to talent and performance. When she's not working, she's either hanging out with her five children traveling the world with her husband, cooking, doing something sporty, or generally striving for balance. So thank you, Ellie. Um, really lovely to uh, to see you uh, again. You. And thank you for inviting me around to your beautiful home. Oh. <laughs> in, I'm no longer sat in a shipping container. I'm sat in Ellie's lovely home um, at her table in the kitchen. And you're um, very privileged because I've turned the heating on. <laughs> I feel very honoured and warm, <laughs> much warmer than a shipping container. So, um, yeah, really excited um, to be talking about your story. We know each other through working together, how long ago? Yes. Ten? Um, I, unfortunately, I think it was a bit longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> Time's gone so fast. <laughs> a few years ago. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we used to work together but you've been doing some really exciting things I think since then so that's why I really wanted to interview you so should we dive straight in are you happy to um you and I've had a a chat beforehand about uh, some of the things we're going to talk about so should we start with uh we we started talking about your childhood didn't we Mm. and and what you were like as as mini Ellie Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I was reflecting, when I was thinking about this podcast, I was reflecting on on my childhood and just going back there to think of, like, were there any any themes that I, you know, just this sort of constant um, from then to, to now and this word of, like, independence just sort of popped, popped into my mind and... And so it just made me think back to like why, why is that and why was that? Mm. So you being really independent, mm. yeah. And that's going to come up again as a theme throughout this. <laughs> but it's yeah. it's something that you, looking back, you you know that it's something that came right from being quite young. Yeah, and um, I had I had an older. No, I still do have an older brother, um, and he's still older than me. <laughs> so, uh, but I, yeah, when I think back to our childhood, what I remember is him always being around my parents, and them always being like downstairs or outside and and together, and and me in my room, doing you know just on my own, playing doing like scrapbooks of um I used to be obsessed with taking pictures out of the um like the Times home magazine or tell <laughs> you know on a Sunday I couldn't wait to you know get and then I'd cut out these these pictures and I'd put them in a scrapbook and um I just really vividly remember sort of doing that you know and and being on my own a lot and what were the pictures of were the were the themes it was like houses that I want to li- wanted to live in mm-hmm. in the future, and then I'd, um, and then I'd like almost take elements of the different houses and then design my own in the scrapbook. And then, and sometimes I think 
why did nobody say to me at that point, like, oh, you know, like there's a job that you could do and get paid for where you like, design houses and things. <laughs> because I was, I was so, I was just really sort of obsessed with it, really. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, it's funny, isn't it, when when you think about, well, because obviously I spent a lot of the last few years thinking about careers and early uh-huh. careers and and stuff like. How did mum and dad not, <laughs> not, not like grab yeah. hold of this thing yeah. and, you know, and encourage me in a certain direction? Yeah. But yeah. yeah, very, very interesting. But that that's that was a lot of my, yeah, I remember my sort of childhood being and my dad used to coach my brother's rugby team. Um, so from the age of five to 18. So I have lots of memories of standing on, you know, the sidelines mm-hmm. watching watching him and I think um all of those things just probably have shaped me to just being quite like on my own and and independent so you were saying I think that you think it's probably a mixture of nature and nurture you you know you were perhaps more Hmm. independent but also the family dynamic was you were doing your own thing and yeah and, and yeah they were doing things more together yes yeah okay all right um and there came a point through school that you mentioned that you you know you made this decision that you wanted to be head girl Mm. at the school you know tell me a bit about that yeah so um so in lower six so I was 16 that was the time at which you could choose to like be a prefect if you wanted or you know head girl and deputy head girl and and I'd I think I'd, I'd always felt like a level of just confidence and self-assurance about about myself and my abilities I was very like hard working conscientious and and so I feel like I literally woke up one day and was like I'm gonna go for it I'm gonna you know I'm gonna become head girl and I just had this laser focus on, you know, on on then getting, you know, getting that job. And I feel like it was, and I was successful in, in getting it and doing it. And I think that was this, yeah, this first sort of external stamp of mm-hmm. like approval and that, you know, if you, if you work hard and determined, et cetera, uh, then you can achieve anything mm-hmm. and you can get anywhere you want to go. And so that was quite a, yeah, a big moment in, for me yeah. of like, yeah, of, of that self-belief and that um, and that confidence. Um, and what was it? Why being head girl? What made you decide to do it? Um, I think partly achievement, like ca- can I do it? Um, and I think partly about external validation, mm-hmm. both amongst my peers, because it's it's a it's a voting. So it's partly you know the the teachers and stuff voting you in on your ideas and things, and then obviously partly voting by the pupils themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think it 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 gave me that internal and external validation mm-hmm. and also my brother was deputy head boy two years before okay so I'm I would lie if <laughs> I would be lying if I didn't say there was probably an element of you know look at you golden boy um I can do one better it's the same school no different school so I went to an all-girls school he went to mm-hmm. the all-boys school and it was probably similar with GCSEs and you know I was I think I was constantly trying to compete with him mm-hmm. um because I felt maybe like I couldn't compete in other ways right um such as attention <laughs> um was probably yeah a, a big one it felt like uh, yeah a lot of the the focus was was on Stuart and and the the stuff that surrounded him so the school my my dad was head of governors at his school mm. my mum at the PTA at his school 
he obviously had the rugby coaching of my dad. He had my dad coach rugby at the school as well. So it was very like his school and, and everything around it was very sort of central to a lot of our life mm-hmm. in those those early days. Were they supportive of you going for head gone? Well, so really interestingly, I think a, a few years ago, it just came up in conversation with mum and dad and, and they... They said something like, we just didn't really know what to do with you. <laughs> like, as in, you know, you just come out and say, like, oh, I'm going to go and be head girl. And then you just went and did it. And, you know, and, and it was, it was, I was slightly taken aback by that because um, I thought, like, what do you mean you don't know how to deal? Like, you don't know how to deal with it. You, you also could just really supported it told me like how amazing I was and how proud you were of me and and all of these things but I I don't and and maybe they did and for which I apologize but I don't remember Mm -hmm. those things Mm -hmm. um what I remember is them me going oh I'm I'm gonna go for her girl and they're going oh okay (laughs) (laughs) okay you go off and do that you know that type of thing it reinforced you when you won it, got it. I don't mm. know what the right word is. Um, it validated this this sense of you being able to do what you wanted to. Yeah, and and I think that naive belief, you know, that yeah, just working working hard and really being conscientious will is the only thing that's gonna matter in life. Mm-hmm. Like when when I start work that that's fine I'll, I'll keep doing that and I'll um I'll just be successful in everything I do yeah just work hard and yeah fine. yeah yeah okay so um you you said uh, earlier that uh, you didn't know that for instance that uh, there was a job that was building houses yeah. <laughs> or not building houses designing, <laughs> yeah, houses. designing houses so when you you chose you went to university you chose mm. to go and study psychology yeah, because no one told me that this thing existed where you could design houses and earn money from it. <laughs> so no, I did. I did A level psychology, and I just fell in love with it. And I was yeah, I was just hooked and geek, geeked out over that. You know, got an A in that. And what was it that makes you geek out about it? Just understanding people, and in particular, and why like why they're the way they are and yeah just that that human just human behavior I think some of the things that I was less bothered about was you know like the child development aspect Mm -hmm. and the it was it was the you know the social you know conform you know conforming the reinforcing behavior that you know all of that sort of stuff those um those famous experiments of you know that actually how you can put somebody in a situation and then a totally different situation then they they will behave so differently mm-hmm. based on the environment they're in and so yeah I just I, I just loved all all of that and then when I went to uni and learned about how you can apply all of that to the world of work then I suddenly just felt like, right, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And you said you had a real clarity around you wanted a good job, you mm-hmm. wanted a family. You seem to have quite a, like I think compared to myself, I don't think I had a clear vision at all yeah. of what I wanted. Well, this is the thing and the, and the irony of like when, and, and obviously we'll, we'll talk about what I've been doing over the last few years, but where... You know, there's there's this generation, you know, who are like lost, confused. The world's moving so fast. They'll be doing jobs that don't exist yet, you know. And um, there's me saying like it's okay not to know. And yet, I had this crystal clear clarity when I was eighteen of what I wanted to do, and I, and and at what age, and I did it. Mm-hmm. And all of those things fell into place at the time that I had envisaged that they would. Yeah. So it was like actually very dull in, <laughs> in that way, but um, but also I feel I actually feel really 
you know, I really empathised with people who didn't have that clarity in the way that I did, of which was pretty much everyone else, you know. And, um, you know, I, I really feel for Gen Z now and Gen Alpha coming and because how we can support them with thinking about their futures is is still so far behind where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. I think it's crazy that we expect people to know, you know, I've got... Um, numerous nephews who are sort of uh, university age, top of schools of sixth form and university. And, yeah, I think it's crazy that we expect them to know what they want to do with their lives. Or even when they're choosing GCSEs, you know, mm-hmm. it's people having clarity just seems... How could they possibly know? Yeah. But you did. <laughs> yeah, so I did. And, and my, yeah, my... My clarity was that I wanted to, and and actually I, I should say like where this stemmed from as well. It was a, again a really clear moment for me. I was at um, I picked my parents up from their golf club after <clears throat> you know a boozy lunch or whatever <laughs> with their their friends, and um, and one of my mum's friends was you know I was just chat, chatting to her, and uh, I don't know sort of you know how it came about, but she sort of just grabbed my arm and she said to me never never don't have your own money you know always be able to stand on your own two feet because you'll never be able to you know basically like have choice and you know mm-hmm. um and 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 she and it really struck me because she's normally so like light-hearted fun hilarious but if there was this intensity in her eyes and it was and I thought, wow, like she she feels trapped. She feels like she can't get out of this situation because she doesn't have a penny to her own, you know, her own name. And that yeah, and, and that really stuck with me as well. And so there was this sort of combination of things I think that happened where it's like I I knew I wanted to do like this job around you know people uh, occupational psychology um and I wanted to have a family and I wanted to have I wanted to get a point to a point in my career where that family didn't hinder me from still carrying Mm -hmm. on and earning my own money and yeah and standing on my own two Mm -hmm. (laughs) financial feet you know when I was 18 I I so by the time I'm 30, I want to, you know, be married, have a family and and then be able to kickstart my own like independent consulting business. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened. But there was also another family friend who was not quite uh, the same yes. messaging coming from them. Yeah. And this is, um, yeah. And, and this is sort of, I think, again, there's been some some moments of like, oh, wow. Right. OK. Um with men, you know, um, in various different ways. But, um, yeah, yeah, again, sort of dinner party uh, with mum and dad's friends when I was doing, I think, doing my master's. And, and so I was still living at home at that time. And, and and this guy asked me, like, what my plan was. And I told him exactly, you know, what I just said, or this is, you know, this is what I like to do. And these are my goals and ambitions. And, and he just said, well, you're totally deluded if you think that's going to happen. And I was just like, wow, I'm, I'm 20. Like, how, what, what part of you make, like, thinks that's a, like, a really good, encouraging thing to say to a, a single young female, you know? Um, and so, and I, I feel like that was, that was the first time of having this, I don't know, this this sort of challenge or being sort of put down a bit. Mm. Um, <clears throat> or maybe the first time I ever let it affect me. Mm-hmm. Um, How did you feel when you said that? Well, driven by a, I'll show you. <laughs> um, and I really just wanted to ring him up <laughs> when I was like 30. And, you know, had my first child and was, um, you know, leaving the organisation where we met. And I wanted to ring him up so much and just say, oh, you know, that thing you said to me, like, look at me now. Um, mm. I've, you know, I've done it. Um, mm. 
The irony yeah. is he probably doesn't even remember oh, saying it. Oh, he doesn't it. remember. And, yeah. yeah, just was a passing remark to exactly. him. And yeah, here we are, what, 20 years later. Yeah. And you still remember. Yeah. And 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 again, I, I, you know, to my detriment, have let a lot of things that have happened from that point still, you know, affect me. And um, I'm getting better at it, but <laughs> still, still not there yet. So there's a kind of, uh, there's a sort of independence that's forming, there's a clarity mm. of what you want that's forming, but there's also a, a sort of I'll show you uh, yeah. reaction to... A stubbornness. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I need to prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. So you, after your master's, you then went on to work for a couple of different mm. organisations, one of mm-hmm. which is the one where we met... Do you want to talk a little bit about that and some of the challenges? I know you had some challenges in those organisations that you Yeah. Passed. So this is, you know, so again, I'm just really entering the workforce, 20, 21, 22. And so this is where I, I really learned that what I thought was true <laughs> about, um, you know, that just working hard and, and getting good grades and good qualifications are the things that really matter will get me through and help me achieve whatever I want to. And, and you know, in those early days, I've, you know, faced both sexual and age discrimination. And the thing with those two is like, there's, they're fixed. <laughs> there's, there's stuff that I can't change or de- develop. And, you know, as hard as it is sometimes to hear feedback, if it's, at least you can do something about it if it's, you know, mm-hmm. if it's developable. So I'm then, I'm then feeling like I'm, I'm held back or I can't do things because of my, of my sex and because of how old I am. Can you give an example of some discrimination you? Yeah. So, face? so my, my first boss when I moved into consulting he he pretty much like abandoned me for three months and you know you know what that sort of environment that culture is like you have to you have to be given opportunities Mm -hmm. to 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 carve your your way and and um and build your networks and and things like that and um and so you know and again I'm I'm 22 and I, and and so three months went on, and we had our um, mid year review, and and I and I said to him, can I just ask why you haven't given me any opportunities, or that I, you know, that I haven't come to any meetings with you and stuff, because it's really difficult for me to to start, you know, contributing without you know without your support. Mm. And he said, well, the thing is, I just really question your credibility. And and I said, okay, can you, you know, say more about that? And he said, well, I just think when, you know, if I bring you into meetings and then people say, hear your really high voice and your long blonde, and see your long blonde hair, um, they just won't, they just won't have any, like, treat you with any credibility. Mm. And I... I just, I, I mean, I, I, how I held it together in that moment, I have no idea. But I went out and I just burst into tears in the toilets. But, but I, I said to him, okay, so what can I do about these things? Like, um, and and he said, oh well, you know, I think you need to dress differently. Maybe wear trousers, maybe a scarf, so you look a bit older. <laughs> um, put your hair up, maybe. And then, so, okay, so these are all things that I can change about my periods. What would you suggest I do about my voice? Which and at that point I didn't realise was high. I didn't think it was very high, but but suddenly, like, I've had this feedback that I've got a really high, uncredible voice. And he said, oh, well, I've already spoken to HR, so we're going to get you some voice coaching. I, I honestly just wanted this massive gaping hole just to like 
swallow me up and, and and I said to him okay thank thank you for that but do you know what I actually really need is <laughs> what I said I really need you just to put me on a project with you and then you can see like mm-hmm. have, you know the work that I do and and see if it's you know if it's good um or you know or someone else maybe in senior in 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 our team and he's like okay but yeah they've also mentioned similar things about your credibility so now not only him but all of the senior people in that team have been in my head they've been chatting about me how you know um and and I'm like but I'm you know I've got all these qualifications I, I just haven't had the chance to to prove myself so he said okay I'll put, I'll put you on this on this project and so that was you know that was one of the first sort of examples of um of this and which you know I then just absolutely well two things absolutely like knocked my self-confidence and self-belief you know to bits for 15 years longer than I should have let it Mm. um and secondly so well I'll blim and show you and Mm. so um so it's it sounds like it's always it's it's been an interesting mix of those two things when you're getting these knocks that there's part of you that feels crushed by it and part of you that's like f you yeah (laughs) you know I'm gonna show you yeah and um, and and just to like think, because I think it's again, it's interesting. Like we we then had a review project, you know, review meeting after the project, which went really well. And I couldn't have I I anticipated that this was coming, and and he said, hey, I I can't help thinking that the feedback I gave you has been really helpful. And I said, can can I just stop you there? It's absolutely it ruined my confidence, um, and all it did was fuel my desire to prove you and every other senior person in this team wrong. And I just got up and walked out. Yeah, and so I, I feel like there's this constant like dichotomy, you know, of of me like really owning this self worth, and then and then having this crushing like detrimental you know um questions over my competence Mm. all the time and and then and how that's played out is that I felt like I've had to work three times harder than anyone else to to Mm. prove myself and and then going in you know and and similar around the age stuff you know I I remember going to to do a job like job evaluation training course and you know they're not they're not inexpensive, these courses. No. You know, I, I come in, I've probably delivered 50 by this point. And the, the, the HR manager, you know, walk into the room, the first thing she says to me is, oh my God, you're so young. Immediately, I'm like, well, I've got to smash this <laughs> out of the park. You know, I've, you know, so then I'm up all night and you know in between the two sessions like making sure the second day is going to be incredible for them and you know and obviously I get eights and nines on the feedback forms but but again it's like this thing of like what why is that okay to (laughs) to to say to someone Mm -hmm. that they they look so young that they've got a high voice that they you know their blonde hair's putting you off you know that that's just that shaped the whole of my 20s mm. it's funny I was thinking about consulting the other day and and how it's an unusual job in that you constantly get feedback and you constantly get evaluated particularly if you're um, working in any kind of role where you're delivering a lot of training or workshops or, or what have you you are constantly being evaluated and judged and given feedback and it it, it does require a robustness that um, because they're just people's opinions at the end of the day, but it can be quite yeah. uh, people can be quite thoughtless. I think definitely, and but also that is okay and valuable and warranted if it if the feedback is based on something that you can do something about. Mm. 
that's what I mean about this sort of fixed versus growth yeah. thing. Like the, the feedback I'm hearing is, has nothing to do with the quality of my work. It's, it's all about stuff that I can't really change. Mm. Well, and quite fundamental to who you are. Your yeah. voice, your hair, your yeah. your look, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's just people's judgments and mm. biases coming out. Yeah. And during that period, so there was two, like I say, two different organisations that you worked with. And the one where you and I worked together, that's also where you met your husband. Mm-hmm. And I just wondered if you wanted to talk about that because, again, there was a, there's a degree of sexism that you were experiencing around that. Yeah. Yeah, so we fell in love in under a cloud, let's say, in, um, you know, less than ideal um, circumstances. And I, I should say that we're coming to a like, 13th year of marriage um, and probably closer and happier than we ever have been. Uh, which is amazing and and that started from quite a high (laughs) high bar but yeah when you know that that was a really challenging time when it was out you know everyone knew that we were together and and things like that and um and there was there was a situation where we were outside of work and you know an informal thing and um and my husband and I like, had a kiss. Um, the next day, my boss brought me into um, a little meeting room and said that she'd had a complaint um, from, you know, one of the other staff that we'd been kissing and that it wasn't appropriate, even though it was, you know, outside of of, of work. And the... Um, the first thing I said to her was, has, you know, has my husband's boss also had this feedback and is he also in a room, you know, being being told that there's a complaint? And she said, no. And, and I said, well, I'd like you to go and tell him and I'd like him to go into a room and be complained at as well so that it, you know, it feels fair, even though it's totally unjust, you know, we're not doing anything wrong, but... That was, you know, an example of then what followed, which was a a lot of negativity targeted towards me, the single female. And he's older and and was senior, wasn't he? Yes, he was a director and I was a consultant in in totally different, you know, teams. Um, So we didn't really work together, but people would say things like, I'm only with him to advance my career and get promoted and and just the total irony that it was to you know it probably held me back more than advanced anything and and just again a, a great example of it's it, you know it's it's e- it was easier to to target me and to to hurl stuff at me than it was to him both probably because of the level that he was at and because he is a male. And did that form part of your decision to leave then? Um, I, yes and no. Like I, I felt like it was becoming difficult for us to stay in the, in the same organisation. You know, it's not, it's not a big one. And... I think, again, I probably felt like I was having to prove myself even more. But also, at that point, I was very, I was on this path, you know, mm-hmm. with my, the ambition that I set out when I was 18 to um, get enough of the really solid foundation in my experience such that I could go and set up and do my own independent <laughs> thing. So I think it was, yeah, probably a combination of the two. And so that's what you did next. You left, you set up yeah. as an independent consultant. so we got consultant. married. Um, we had our first child and then after, yeah, after he was born, then I left mm-hmm. the organisation and set up, yeah, freelance. What, how was that as an experience? It was what you'd been aiming for? It's been what you thought you wanted? 
yeah so for a period of time I I loved it and it was it was it was great but I I still remember this like this painful like imposter syndrome of um and still these voices of like oh people you know people are gonna hear your voice or look at you and think you're really young like what have you possibly got to to help them with you know all all of that so that didn't really go away at this point you're what in your I was late 20s early 30s yeah um and you know but I was doing what I wanted to do and you know earning earning decent money and that was that was perfect for the time of our life and I had I went on you know we had another son and um and my husband was in quite a demanding global role um he was traveling a lot so it just it really worked for us Mm -hmm. at that time and then as as my second son got a bit a bit older and and we could get into a bit more of a routine that's when I realized the thing that I was really missing from independent consulting life which was the opportunity to still really challenge and push myself and learn mm. and really be like out of my comfort zone. And again, this is like the the weird dichotomy with me of this. Like I always I want to push myself and be, and I'm really shit scared <laughs> about doing it. But at the same time, have this innate belief, you know, in myself and my self-worth yeah I think it's really interesting this like this seems like there's a real dichotomy there or there's sort of yeah it's messed up right? I'm trying to navigate that every day it must cause for some interesting conversations in your head yes this is why I'm so exhausted all day don't actually do anything just, sit just and, argue with yourself yeah just sit and think um so yeah so that led me on this then what is the entrepreneurial mm-hmm. entrepreneurial years yeah path and and things because I was just I was not getting fulfilled at that time in there was a big piece missing which was this propensity to learn this you know this curiosity this like pushing myself into different you know directions um so then yeah I I had a just a really big think about what used to really energize me and you know because obviously as you know we do lots of different types of projects yeah. and that was what that was that variety was was great but you know and I always used to think when like coaching senior people and they have these aha moments and stuff you think you know if only I knew this about myself you know at the start of my career I'd make different decisions and and I used to love doing sort of early talent type work and assessments and designing things like that and so I thought right I'm going to start just rereading around early careers and mm-hmm. um and and at the time my my three step kids were emerging out of like you know sort of early secondary school and into these key decision making points themselves and I was like wow there's you know and this was the emergence of like um the you know, the, the fifth industrial revolution's coming, the, you know, all these jobs that don't exist now, you know, mm-hmm. 45% of the, you know, jobs or whatever that exist now won't in 15 years. And I was thinking, gosh, like, how must they be all be feeling? <laughs> um, whether they're really being equipped for, you know, the world of work and stuff. So I got really sort of, geeky about it all and then really frustrated and passionate <laughs> about um the the careers landscape yeah so this sort of led me down down this path then of firstly building a business which was which was about supporting people in socially disadvantaged backgrounds to access the same sort of level of support when it comes to like interviewing and assessment centers Mm -hmm. and things like that because I was you know employers were saying 
It's not necessarily that we struggle to attract diverse talent say, into our graduate programmes, but they're not getting through the assessment yeah. centre. They're not uh, polished, as the word, mm-hmm. and we all know what that really means. And and so, yeah, it meant I, I was then able to re- create this, like, whole sort of, you know, scenario, like this, this sort of blended digital virtual assessment centre to like you know develop the try before they do it really um and the impact of these events was amazing on on disadvantaged young people so like 45 percent reduction in anxiety having gone through this experience 33 mm-hmm. percent increase in confidence to even consider that they might go for a you know a job mm-hmm. now so it was it was huge and and it just really eye-opening as to the barriers that different minorities face mm-hmm. around this stuff and the networks of support and and so it led me because I don't know when to start with my ambitions <laughs> it led me to go okay no there's it's not just minority people there are there is this whole generation who yeah who are lost confused we're not like careers advice is archaic no one's prepared for what's coming and how can we be but let's at least engage them in the world of work and, and advice and and guidance in a way that they're used to consuming information um, and that's how then my business fledgling started which at the heart of it you know was an app like a careers advisor in their pocket mm-hmm. um really focused on um school leavers and unemployed young people who aren't going to uni but aren't sure what you know what paths to take and and what was quite unique about it was the the focus on moving away from grades where you went to school all of that stuff and smart matching them to you know opportunities with the digital cv in the app that was trying to capture and validate the things that really matter mm-hmm. of a 16, 17, 18 year old strengths, qualities, attributes, personalities, mm-hmm. things that are observable by their peers that can be mm-hmm. quantified somehow and using all of that to to match to their, you know, company's values, competencies mm-hmm. of an apprenticeship, etc. And so, yeah, and it also became, and hence the name, you know, Fledgling was that stepping stone from instagram tiktok to you know suddenly this linkedin mm-hmm. which was really overwhelming you know as that first professional platform and you don't really feel like you've got much to say about yourself like really plugging that sort of gap for them oh, as well and that was uh, at that time you you were so low female entrepreneur mother mother <laughs> yeah. going through rounds of raising funds mm, and say a bit about that yeah yeah so I was raised I raised two rounds of investment for this business which I'm actually really you know now I can look back and say wow I'm so proud of that and going in you don't realize the the landscape that you're going into and actually how much of a challenge that was that I achieved even Mm -hmm. you know achieved achieved that because you know I think it's moved slightly the dial now but you know, when I was raising investment, one P in every pound, only one P in every pound went to a female-founded business, um, which is, you know, just terrible. And so, and and often, the, you know, that's with co-founders, with people who, you know, founders who don't have children, you know, who, who could work 24 hours a day if they chose. And so... Being, yeah, a, a, a sole founder, female, mother, it was like, right, how many other barriers <laughs> do you want to give yourself <laughs> to um, to like try and raise this investment? But I was ju- I just so, so passionate about what I was trying to do and I could see how needed this was and is still, you know, in, in the market that I just, every day, kept me going. Even the, the days when 
I didn't want to get out of bed. You know, I, it it was the the thing that that I I I sort of needed to keep pushing on because I believe so much in it. But they were again, you know, sat in rooms with privileged middle aged white men grilling me for three hours, you know, and leaving some of those just like absolute floods of tears. Uh, it was so intimidating. And yeah, just and just really interesting the use of language, I think, as well. And that there's been studies on on uh when male founders and female founders go and pitch the the way in which um questions are phrased back to them are unconsciously mm-hmm. you know but very different and such as um such as um with with males um they the questions will will be more about like positively framed and about opportunity mm-hmm. um and with with women and and this is like significantly different um I'm not just making this up because that yeah there's been some really fascinating studies on on it where investors will tend towards what is the risk so the this sort of aversion and, mm-hmm. and this risk type of question which then limits the opportunity mm-hmm. you know rather than it's like yeah, re- reducing it rather than exploring what's yeah. the art of what's possible. Yeah. Whereas with males, it's these questions are unconsciously framed in a much more positive, opportunistic way. Yeah. So well, how do we take this and opt- yeah. make it yeah, into yeah. a bigger opportunity rather yeah. than what are the risks? Of, yeah. And let's try and minimise the risks. Interesting. So what happened with Fledgling? That's, this was all pre-COVID you were um, setting it up? Yeah, so just as COVID hit, I was going out to raise 1.2 million. So we were, it was was a shoestring, like what we managed to achieve with what I had raised also is incredible. And when I look back now, I, again, I, I have to be so proud of what, what I did with that money compared to some of my male counterparts you know with raising significant amounts more than um than I was and so we got to a really good place with it and ironically with this lockdown school shutting suddenly careers advice needed to go digital this was Mm. the perfect opportunity to properly scale it and I couldn't raise the money Mm -hmm. and I can I can spend a whole other podcast going into why different reasons as to why, and mm-hmm. it's not all external. You know, I'm not. I'm not just saying, oh, it's it was the investment landscape. You know, there there was stuff about the business in general that that made that challenging. Again, made investors go all a bit risky, a bit mm-hmm. risky. And so, um, so ultimately, yeah, last October I ended up selling the the app and the brand to this amazing charity youth charity in the UK called Speakers for Schools um which was started by Robert Peston and funded by um yeah amazing uh, philanthropist and parted ways with it mm-hmm. but it was like I'd lost a child um, you know, it sounds crazy saying that now, but I, I, I was, I was devastated. I was so broken, but I couldn't see, I couldn't see the distinction between me and it. Mm-hmm. And I kept, I, again, it was that innate thing of like, just work really hard, like work all the hours. You know, one more conversation, one more conversation might change the course of events. Um, just and it and it and it didn't happen and it was you know and and it was just devastating another example of all the work everything around me going Ellie just you working harder is not <laughs> it's not gonna mean success here uh-huh. there's all these external events that no one predicted that you know 
that you you can't survive this can't mm-hmm. survive and um don't take this all on yourself as a, as a failure mm-hmm. you know but at, at the time that's all I felt just like I'd failed mm-hmm. like me society <laughs> young people investors <laughs> yeah the I took it all I like I felt it all and it just mm-hmm. it yeah it broke me so it was yeah a tough time yeah I can imagine and you went on to work in a VP role for an organisation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if it wasn't for doing Fledgling, and, you know, people have said to me, if you knew all you know mm. now, would you, have, would you have done it? Because it did, you know, it took its toll on, on me and my family. Obviously, yeah, I, I took investment. and But I actually wouldn't change it for the world because cause in that moment, in that time... So, you know, those three years, I felt, I felt on top of the world. I felt so, yeah, I felt like I'd arrived almost. Like I didn't need to prove anything to anyone anymore. Um, And that was the first time you felt like that. Yeah. Mm. And it was so different from all those judgy people Uh in my head, you know, and, and... I was I, I was so far removed from from what I used to be doing and I think that really helped as yeah. well and it's really interesting because I had you know I had coaching around you know when it was when things were then not going so well and I was like oh gosh all these people are gonna be like oh yeah yeah no I knew that wasn't gonna work out or yeah nice try you know but my coach said to me who are these people <laughs> And I was like, oh, you know them. Them. Those people on LinkedIn and whatever. And I was like, can you you put any names to these people? I was like, no, but, you know, like, they're just there. (laughs) I was like, is it possible they're just in your head? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, "Mm, damn. But, uh, you know, um, and it it was helpful. It's like, actually, who do I care? Like, whose opinion do I now care about? Like, I know I can name the people who I used to care about their opinion, mm-hmm. even though I shouldn't have let, let them get, you know, get in my head. But but now they're, they're, not, they're, they're not the same people, no. you know. And and how many of them have gone and done what you did? None yeah. of them. Yeah. So it's a journey. <laughs> I'm still, <laughs> you know, but, I, but now that was su- such a helpful comment because when I start to have that, like self-doubt or that sort of social anxiety about stuff. I'm like, okay, who 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 are these people, Ellie? I think it's a really quite good question, isn't it? Who is they? We talk about they a lot. They say they are no one and everyone. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So you've recently gone back to setting up as an independent consultant. Again. Yes, yeah. So I've gone full circle. Yeah. So 10 years, roughly, after yeah. you yeah. did it the first time around. Without giving away my age. Yeah. <laughs> what's different now? So what's different now is, I think, two things in particular. I didn't feel... So when I was 30, I, I still clearly had this need to go and do something that really pushed me and that's really like stretched my like learning to the limit Mm -hmm. and and stuff like that and that was still obviously a really big part of like who I was and my self-identity at the time I don't I don't feel that way anymore and it's not to say that I won't have this continuous curiosity for like learning things like Mm -hmm. for example I've just done an online MBA and so you know coaching qualification and everything so I think um, like that will always be there, and so when it comes to like this phase of freelancing and things, like I'll always be wanting to learn new things, new techniques, like new ways of doing stuff. Um, but it's it's less of the like piece of the pie chart, you know, when it comes to all the other things that is actually really important now in my life. And the second thing is that imposter syndrome of I don't know anything. I have nothing to share with people. 
I've just got like theoretical knowledge and no practical real world, <laughs> you know, how you actually lead people or, you know, through different scenarios has, has gone. And just, yeah, that, that life, I think that life experience and me just giving myself a bit more of a break as, as mm. well, not being so hard on myself. So I'm, yeah, so I'm really excited about this, you know, this um, time round mm-hmm. being a freelance coach and, and consultant because I actually feel now really uniquely placed mm. to help lots of different people. You know, yes, I've, I've done I've done my core learning and theory, then I've been a consultant, worked with, you know, got that real foundational experience and worked with a lot of companies. Then I've ran my own business and then I've been in the senior leadership team of a unicorn. Mm-hmm. And and now I'm excited to almost bring all of that together and help other people and organisations with, you know, with those three very different bits of my career. Mm, really interesting and unusual mix, mm-hmm. I think. And if you were to... Talk to a, a younger version of Ellie. You choose what age. doesn't have to be a childhood version. It could be any younger version. What would you say to them? Yeah, so I was reflecting on this quite a lot. It was quite like, cathartic, really. But um, where, like, the, the one thing that I've landed on, you know, because I was thinking about letting, pe- you know, letting people creep in, you know, let, like letting all of that... Um, in and like and and just you know don't don't listen to them and blah 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 but actually like the the thing that I think is really important for younger Ellie if I could say it is that success success is holistic not reductionist so I I think I spent well I, I spent my whole life basically viewing you know, success as what I was achieving in work, you know, and others' feedback on, like, mm-hmm. this aspect. And that was, like, that was the thing that really fueled my self-identity until, you know, pretty much until, like, that breakdown, you know, with fledgling, that, you know, it's just that that was what I identified with, mm-hmm. you know, success, achievement, and, and actually... I'm so successful in so many things. Like, I'm a great mum. <laughs> I'm a great stepmom. I, you know, I I am a good coach. I'm a great friend. I'm a great daughter. I'm a great wife. Like, I cook well. I play golf well. I, you know, there's... And, and I'm all right at work. But, um, def- like, don't, don't define your success just by your achievements in in work because it is one bit of your life so go and live your life to the full and and be proud of all the successes that you have in all different parts of your life and and remember them if some you know when you're self-doubting yourself about work Mm. or someone's given you some really unhelpful feedback that you can't do anything about (laughs) you know like remember actually how amazing you are at all these other things and if you were to think of a a title or a strap line for your story what would that be so it's like it's back to that theme watch me prove you wrong love it so thank you ellie That's been absolutely fascinating. It's amazing how much you learn about someone who you think you already know. (laughs) You sit down and interview them for an hour. So thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. No, it was really nice. And I feel very honoured to be asked. (laughs) You're very welcome. I really enjoyed my conversation with Ellie and I really want to thank her for being so honest and open about some of the challenges that she's faced. Um, I was really struck by a couple of things that we talked about in the podcast. Um, One was about uh, always having your own money as a woman. That's something that um, is very dear to my heart as well, something I strongly believe in. 
Um, the other thing was the, the sort of potential of our throwaway words and how they can have a crushing and long-lasting effect on someone else, particularly someone who's young and impressionable, and, and how we sometimes perhaps don't realise that. And then I think the final thing that Ellie said was uh, her advice to her younger self really struck me about the fact that success is holistic. It's not just uh, one-sided, it's not just how you do in work, it's how you do um, in all aspects of our lives. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Secret Resume. If you did, remember to like, share, comment and subscribe as that helps people like you find people like us.